Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. The Rewatchables podcast is officially back and will be coming to you every Tuesday in 2019. The season will kick off on January 8th with The Godfather, and you can catch up on all the recent episodes featuring Tombstone, Con Air, and All the President's Men. And with The Bachelor back for a new season, be sure to check out Bachelor Party with Juliet Littman for all related news and recaps. You can download and subscribe to both of those shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, 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 Ringer FC, first episode of the new year, happy 2019, with me as always, my main man, Micah Peters, what's up Micah? Not much, I just got back from eating the gold plated, or gold flake steak, you know, cost a thousand pounds. And dissing all your haters on Twitter? (laughs) Exactly. Word to Frank Ribery. How was your break, Micah? My How break, did you spend your break? My break was good. I watched uh, Sunderland Till I Die and well, almost in one sitting. Uh, which, it you, was, which you wrote about for TheRinger.com great I website. Did write around, I, I did write about it for TheRinger.com great website. Um, it's basically uh, an autopsy of Sunderland's 2017-18 season, mm-hmm. uh, which was after they got relegated from the Premier League in 2017, uh, thanks to David Moyes, and uh, only winning, what, nine games? Or, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they got relegated. This follows their season in the championship from 2017 to 2018, after which they also got relegated. So, yes, it is depressing. Spoiler alert. How can it it be a spoiler alert when it's like a real-life thing that has already happened? I think because most people haven't been tracking Sunderland's progress that closely. But the the series is on Netflix. I, I like how you kind of compared it on the other end uh, compared to All or Nothing, of course, yeah. Manchester City's series on Amazon Prime. In fact, I think the headline of your Sunderland piece is Nothing or Nothing. <laughs> that so it is. it's more about the dark side of football. Not the dark side, but the sad side. The sadder side, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be more quote-unquote real or raw than uh, Manchester City All or Nothing, which was kind of like a commercial. Right. Um, it's not really like first team Juventus in that it's, you don't really get as much time with the players, but instead of hanging out with Claudio Marquisio, you get to see, um, managers fighting fans in the parking lot, which is so much more compelling. <laughs> right. No plastic fans for the black cats. Those are all diehards. As for me on my winter break, footy related, I started reading a book called the transfer market, the inside stories by a guy called Alan Jernan. About halfway through. It's pretty good so far. It's very apropos being that it's January and uh, the midseason transfer window. Kind of goes on about how players, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, how players face so much anxiety and stress during transfer season. You know, we always talk about or have fun talking about who's going where, who's buying whom. But the human side of it is these guys are kind of living stressed out because they don't know where they're going or if they have to pick up and move. And and this book mostly focuses on players in the lower leagues or, you know, the one, not the Mbappes and the Neymars, but the players that are on the lower tier who really don't have that much of a say in their career. So I'd recommend it. You can download it to your Kindle. Anyway, holiday break is over and we know how the Premier League spent their holiday by having each team play a relentless schedule of matches in fact, Micah, since our last episode, there have been four Premier League match days, not to mention a slate of cup games. In fact, I think Tottenham and Chelsea are at halftime of the first leg of their Carabao Cup semifinal. Anyway, now that the dust is cleared in the new year, it feels like a perfect time to do a state of the top six post-holiday madness, and we'll do it in the form of burning questions for each top six team. How does that sound, Micah? Uh, it sounds like a plan to me. Now, normally we'd go through teams by the order of the table, first to six, but because we have a special guest in the house, let's start with the team currently in fourth place, and that would be Chelsea. And with that, a hearty welcome to Ringer staff writer, Miles Surrey, who writes about pop culture for the site and is also a lifelong Chelsea fan, whose Instagram handle, Micah, Eden Hazard 69 <laughs> 
<laughs> Miles, thank you for joining Ringer FC. <laughs> wow. I, thank wow. you for that introduction. Incredible. I wish I could say that's a joke, but that is basically a burner account. I mean, it's better than Victor Moses 69, right? That's true. But yeah, thanks for having me. This will be a nice reprieve from refreshing multiple tabs about the Spurs match and Columbus and the Doi Transfer News. <laughs> what is, is, is the second half started? Uh, I, I think it just started, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll update it as it, if anything big happens. Spurs are up 1-0. Harry Kane penalty. VAR penalty. Anyway, Tachelski, let's start with the biggest news. Uh, on January 2nd, Chelsea bought the 20-year-old American Christian Pulisic for 73.1 million US dollars. Wonder Boy is coming to England. He's going to finish th- this season with Borussia Dortmund before arriving at Stamford Bridge next summer. Miles, my first question to you. Will Christian Pulisic fit in at Chelsea or will he be another young talent squandered on their bench? Well, I think it's probably contingent on who's still with the club next summer between guys like, you know, Aiden Hazard, William, Pedro, and Hudson Adoy. I think ideally, just as a Chelsea fan, I'd like to see a winger rotation that's led by Hazard, Pulisic, and Hudson Adoy. But I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of one of those two guys is out the door by next season. As an American supporter of Chelsea, how excited are you that America's biggest highest profile soccer star is coming to your team. I I was pretty thrilled. I was actually, I was on vacation in Mexico when this happened and like... Light flex. When it first happened. Yeah. <laughs> light flex, light flex. Light flex. Light flex. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I, I legit had no idea that this happened for like... A you, heard, you heard the rumors though a little bit, right? Well, I heard the rumors, but like I, I did like a kind of like a day trip thing and then um, it was actually... Um, <laughs> My my mom like she was checking CNN and she was like yeah something about Chelsea and like America and I was like that was like enough I was like all right I, I think I know what this is about so uh, yeah I'm pretty excited I think he's a perfect fit for Sari's system because um, he's really good at creating chances he's good um, off the dribble the thing with our team right now is it's basically the, the way it works with Hazard is it kind of reminds me of like LeBron with the Cavs last year he where has it's to just do everything. All, yeah he has to do everything. He's our leader in goals and assists, and it's not even close uh, in either of those categories. Um, and yeah, like having someone like Pulisic, let's say on the right wing, Hazard on the left, getting <laughs> getting a more dependable striker in the center. Like I think that'll you know open things up for us. And and I mean, I mean, obviously we're not getting him for this year, but yeah. oh, we'll, next we'll, we'll, year it's we'll, more safe that we'd probably be in the top four. We'll get into Chelsea this season in a bit. Uh, yeah. Micah, as a American but non-Chelsea fan, for you, I, I figured the reaction of most uh, Americans who don't root for Chelsea, it was the move for Pulisic is, is it's the right league but the wrong team. What do you think? Well, I mean, like, Basically, there was there's a lot of confounding things there because I mean, like Pulisic was, you know, boyhood fan of United, then had a bunch of ties with Liverpool, and you know, either one of was he really a boyhood fan of United? uh, Apparently so. I mean, like who knows how true that is because everybody is a boyhood fan of the club that they're moving to, right? But in any case, uh, I really didn't I thought that the reaction to it was a little overwrought like everybody was just like photoshopping his head onto Graham Vitesse jerseys like he's just like you know congratulations on your new signing your new loanee um oh you mean oh you mean basically people were already speculating or suggesting that predicting that he would be a bust or he'd be put on loan into yeah immediately yeah but I mean honestly I think that the the move makes sense for both teams um Maybe, maybe it's the wrong club. Time will tell. But he was having, I don't want to say trouble getting into the first team in Dortmund, but I mean, like Jaden Sancho is, you know, uh, his star is rising and Pulisic has had, what, six or seven appearances for Dortmund this season? Like, so. Well, let's say you had somehow the ability to, to place Christian Pulisic on any Premier League team with the idea, you know, that you wanted to put him in a team where he had the best chance to succeed, which team would you choose? Mm. Would it be Chelsea? The thing is, it's like Chelsea, of course, has the reputation with Conte, with Mourinho, now with Sarri, of of not trusting young talent. But low-key, if you look at their lineup and what Miles was referring to, he can actually slot in. There's a spot for him because their wingers are old 
and they need offensive firepower or better attackers. Yeah, well, I mean, like you would have said the same of Callum Hudson Odoi, and and Chelsea is just true. They started, haven't sold it. They have. They haven't sold not, him not yet. yet. Not yet. Well, he he's playing right now. He started. Yeah, That's he nice. started. We should yeah, mention the rumors he, are yeah, he, Munich is in for Bayern is in for him for I think thirty five million, which is a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, but they're they're starting him on the the same day that he's already asked to be to be. Handed in a transfer request, reported, and he's playing well. I watched the first half. Yeah, best player. So, I mean, starting him is a good way to try to win back his affections. But I mean, like he gone. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Obviously, what happens when Pulisic arrives next? I I keep saying Pulisic, Pulisic. Is it the hard C or not? Pulisic hard C. He, I think, said that he didn't like the, well, didn't use the Czech pronunciation of the name. Okay, so when Pulisic arrives, obviously a lot of attention will be on him and we'll monitor that story as it develops. But now for the holiday period for Chelsea, 7 out of 12 points. They lost to Leicester away, beat Watford in Crystal Palace away and drew nil-nil with Southampton at home. Also beat Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup and they're playing Spurs right now, as we mentioned. So they're in fifth, fourth place, still have a Champions League spot. Let's get to the rest of our burning questions. Miles, we've talked about it. You just talked about it. The Chelsea attack... (laughs) So promising in the beginning of the season. It's gone to shit in recent weeks. It's a nice way to put it. Related, does Alvaro Morata have a future with Chelsea, the much maligned striker? I just saw today on Stats Bomb, word to Ryan O'Hanlon and XG. Morata is fourth in XG per 90. So he ranks fourth in the Premier League behind like Salah and Aguero, etc. But he's still only scored five goals in 16 Premier League matches. Olivier Giroud, only one goal in 16 matches. He's also nursing an injury. This is Chelsea's problem right now. Can they keep a Champions League spot without having a dependable number nine or striker? Basically, if you look at the numbers, again, thanks to Satsbomb, their XG and XG expect uh, their XG and their XG conceded is basically in line with what they were last year uh, when they finished in fifth place with 70 points. So basically, in a nutshell, we were talking a lot about how Chelsea had improved under Sarri in the first few weeks. Lately, it looks like they've stagnated. Let me ask you first about Murata. Do you have any trust in Murata as leading the line for your team for the rest of the season? Um, that's no. A, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's gotten to Fernando Torres, Shevchenko levels of depressing wow, for him Shevchenko, right now. Shevchenko, holler. Yeah, Ooh. throwback. <laughs> um, I mean, so... Uh, you know, if you saw, he scored, he nabbed a brace against Nottingham Forest, but he looks so despondent. Uh, I'm <laughs> he had that horrible st- miss, too. Yeah, he oh, had a horrible miss like that was called offside. Mouth, like, for his, yeah. But yeah. he was offside, as Miles said. Yeah, but but it doesn't really, it doesn't really help his case because it just, it looked terrible. But I, I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Like, I think the latest rumor is that he might go to Sevilla. I think it's like, you know, a loan till the end of the season with the option to buy, kind of like with Bakayoko at Milan right now. Right. Um, shout out to Bakayoko. And his um, fake dreads. But, yeah. But I, I think, you know, he might as well go for it. I, I mean, we, we could use another striker. I don't feel as concerned about Giroud. I think um, if we get a proper striker in the transfer window, he can still be used as a super sub. You know, he's got that meaty forehead for headers. Yeah. Um, his link of play is actually pretty decent. Um, he has four assists for what that's worth. Um, if we need to rely on him for like a few goals off the bench and say like a spot start in the Europa League uh, or the FA Cup, like I'm fine with that. Well, say, say they don't bring in a new striker. We're seeing it today in the first half of the Carabao Cup that Hazard is playing that familiar, I guess, kind of nine false nine role. But he's basically dropping deep and picking up the ball uh, at the you know at, at halfway line and, and doing everything. Is that a recipe uh, sustainable, I guess, for the rest of the season if they don't replace Murata or get somebody better? I don't think so. It concerns me, especially because he so clearly prefers to play on the left wing, and that is where he's more effective. You know, he's not like a perfect fit like Dries Mertens was at Napoli, you know, like a little guy who plays that number nine role. And, and you know, I, I think it was the first year he was the sorry number nine. He scored something like, was it 27 goals in Serie A? Something, something crazy like that. Yeah. And yeah, I think even though Hazard's been getting a lot of goals this year, even for, I mean, because he's never been a, a high goal scorer, but, you know, he's got, I think, 10 so far this season in the Premier League. For him, it's pretty high. I, I just think we do need to get a striker in here. The So who the, do you want, Callum Peterson? 
<laughs> no, Callum, Callum Wilson. Callum Patterson? Callum Patterson from Cardiff. The, oh, man. That, the that. big fucking bouncer looking dude. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the 70s port stash. I think we're good. Yeah, on he's got him. the best mustache in the Premier League by he far. Does. And, but I'm sorry, Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. Because um, when I mentioned him to you the other day, you kind of like, oh, not Chelsea level, blah, 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 yeah. blah. No, I mean, so we keep being like to. Iguain, you know, who's who's he's going to fail right just now. like Murata. Well, this thing, I want Chelsea to think about the long term rather than citing like a 31 year old dude who looks like he just feasted on a giant meze spread. <laughs> like, in, is in that a, a shocker, Saman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no shots. Um, no, but like in a perfect world, we could just enter like the Timo Werner sweepstakes or grab someone like a Cardi or Piatek. But I, I have I have a bad feeling it's going to be Iguain, and it's basically like a Giroud Redux where it's like. You get someone for the short term, and then we're right back where we are like a year, year and a half from now Sorry. looking for a young, dependable striker. Sorry had some experience with Iguain, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, Micah, do you think Chelsea need to buy somebody in January? I mean, a striker. A striker in January? I or mean, do, or, do, or do you think Morata can recover? I don't think, I mean, like, I really confidence. don't think that he can recover from the crowd. I mean, like, it's... He didn't even celebrate after his, his second for against yeah. Nottingham Forest, and like it's not. It's an FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, like I understand that it's an FA Cup, but I mean, like I've <laughs> he just looks so unhappy. It seems like broken in a way that like extra time on the training pitch and a little bit of encouragement won't really fix. Like it's like he needs a change of scenery at this point. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of change of scenery, on to our final burning question for Miles: How much will you miss? sexy Sesk Fabregas. He is reportedly headed to Monaco with his old teammate Thierry Henry. Quick primer on Fabregas at Chelsea. He arrived at Stamford Bridge 2014. Final Chelsea numbers. Don't fact check me. I got this off Twitter. 197 games, 22 goals, 50-something assists. (laughs) I saw conflicting (laughs) numbers. Two Premier League titles, one FA Cup, one Carabao Cup. Actually, here's a question for you because, of course, I'm an Arsenal fan. Do you think history will remember Sesk's time in the Premier League more as an Arsenal player or as a Chelsea player? And also, what will you miss about him? He scored. That he still PK. seems like the. What I was just gonna say that he scored that PK on a broken leg for Arsenal. So oh, against Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's that. I guess that's technically <laughs> Champions League football. But yeah, as an Arsenal it's player, it's just part of his legacy. But yeah, I, I think. I mean, it's obviously it's easier to reflect on Chelsea now just because it's. You know, it's fresher on the mind because I mean, he, he was there even just last Wait, week. Did you when you when he was clapped off in the FA Cup and he was crying? Were you also crying? Um, no. Did you tear up at I, all? I I mean, I, I you know, obviously I'm emotional about soccer, but I usually only cry from like animals and movies and stuff. <laughs> gotcha. Or, or Bumblebee, weirdly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that, that's a that's a whole other thing. Anyways, no, I I do think it's it's. What what he did with Arsenal with Wenger and and those guys that's what he'll be remembered for though like in the long term I mean yeah when he came in he was like one of the most uh, he is like one of the most dynamic playmakers like the Premier probably ever the had. still still yeah. the best passer on yeah. Chelsea until he leaves uh, yeah no I mean uh, I there was a lot of hate watching for those Pete Gunners days but yeah. I mean he was so good I, I do think though the the Chelsea stint was fascinating because. For all of Seth's, you know, passing prowess, he's never been a, a very good defensive player. Right. And yet he was still getting consistent minutes for, you know, these pra- pragmatic defensive managers like Mourinho and Conte. And and I think it was Conte who probably figured out the best use for him at mm-hmm. like the tail end of his career. He had to kind of win Conte's trust too, yeah. right? Because in the title winning season, like his some of his best games was when he sort of came on as like a super sub to like thread some long balls and, just, and get it was just basically yeah. that was a fucking annoying Chelsea at Chelsea team because it was basically like Sesk throw it up to fucking Diego Costa, Costa would and he would just through. fucking score yeah. like, Costa would eat I miss Diego Costa so much spit him out and then stick it in the far corner yeah Diego yeah. Costa backing some defender down long ball from Sesk turn fire score anyway Those I'm more interested days. in the other question though like Miles, what do you think about yeah. Chelsea getting rid of like their only other deep lying playmaker in the middle of the season when like that position is so important to Sorry's system? Can I interject yeah, okay. really quickly to just to say that I just read on the wire today that they haven't officially let him go yet, even though they've you know this because yeah, they're farewell. looking for a replacement right, right until now. they get a replacement. Yeah. I, he might. There's a possibility he could stay till the end of the year. But to Micah's question, how do you feel about that? Like, so this sort of answers the question, but I think what he really needs to do is um, 
implement a 4231 because I think Sarri's 433 isn't working as well with the way he's deploying Conte, who he's he's proven he can occasionally be Ungola Lampard <laughs> in the box, but it doesn't happen a lot. And I think So who's the two Conte and so Jorginho? You, you get Jorginho and Conte as your holding mids and have like a healthy Loftus cheek as sort of that third midfielder playing a little higher <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, that's pitch. gonna happen. Anyway. What <laughs> he, he's been injured lately. Like he, he he'll be getting his minutes. I, I, I or maybe I'm in denial because sorry doesn't like to play the young guys. But I I think that obviously he's still going to need to find a Fabregas replacement in the transfer market. But it is frustrating to especially when the last time we played Spurs, the way that Deli Ali was pressing Jorginho and and sort of flustering him. I think it's just natural to want to push Conte the best defensive midfielder on the planet a bit back and just tweak yeah. your system a jo- bit. Jorginho went from underrated to overrated in record time. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the guy, honestly. Like, <laughs> there, there's some games I, I love him and I, I think he's underappreciated. There are other games where it's just like, why are you like the slowest person on the planet? I mean, it's not to say that he's not a good or he's trash or any hot take shit like that, but yeah. it's like, I think people quickly discovered that if you put pressure on him, he's not as effective. Yeah, he can be exposed. Yeah. All right, one quick sidebar. Speaking of Chelsea legends, Joe mm-hmm. Cole is back. Technical academy coach working with various age-grade teams in the club's youth setup. I saw that he was already giving advice to Hudson Adoy. It's cool that Joe Cole's back, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, good for Joe Cole. I always liked him as a player. It's a shame at the end of his career, he just couldn't stay healthy, but... Christian Pulisic can only aspire to have a career like Joe Cole. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the saucy Englishman. He's going to have like all those youth those youth players just hitting Rabonas from like early crosses. Miles, <laughs> um, you want to give us a score update for the Carabao Cup? Actually, if it's not up, you don't have to look it up. You want to stick around for United? Uh, sure. Okay, so let's go to the team in sixth place. It's Micah's beloved Manchester United. Break up United in the midst of the Solkshire. Solkshire. Solkshire? Solskjaer. Solskjaer. <laughs> By the way, it's uh, still... Can I say hey, Ole's... Can I just say Gunner? The Gunner Revolution? And Gunner's like Arsenal. Solskjaer Revolution. Uh, over the holiday period, the festive period. Very festive for Micah. 12 out of 12 points. Of course, listen to this competition. Cardiff City away, Huddersfield Town, Bournemouth, and Newcastle. Also an FA Cup win over Reading. Still though, Solskjaer has yet to lose as the interim, maybe not for long, manager of Manchester United. Micah, will United ever lose again? Uh, that's a loaded question. Uh, but to your point about the, the the quality of competition, yeah, I mean, like, it was always going to be a slate of games to kind of, like, get your legs back underneath you um, to get the good feeling back again. But at the same time, it's just kind of like these weren't teams that we were consistently beating before. So beating them is not nothing. Right. Um, and they have looked, they've just been fun. I mean, yeah, what's the difference? The, what is the difference? I mean, like, we always talk about new manager bounce. New manager bounces don't usually last five matches in a row. Right. It's more so kind of just like a fog has been lifted off of the the players and they've been allowed to do the things they I mean like it's just kind of Solstar has been saying all the right things like I want the team to play attacking football I will not be mad if you lose the ball be mad if you don't try things you know Pogba's been allowed to play higher up the pitch uh I mean, it's We'll get back to Pogba. Yeah, it's just kind of like they've been going they've been going forward and like being more less God awful and boring. I don't know how to describe it. It's just Miles, as as a supporter of the team currently holding the last Champions League mm-hmm. spot, are you looking nervously over your shoulder at the Red Devils? Six points back, I think. Uh, yeah, honestly, I'm a little nervous. I think, you know, if there is a team that could snatch that four spot from us, I think it's sorry, it's not going to be Arsenal. I think it's going to be United. I mean, but do you feel like this run is is more weak competition than it is any new philosophy or no I I just think it's like simply indicative of of what Micah was saying you know Solskjaer is letting them play more attacking football and you know he's got guys like Martial Rashford Pogba playing some of the best football of their of the season so far and right. I think also Ender Herrera's done a good job shoring up the midfield that you know him being there allows Pogba to thrive in a more I love advanced role. yeah he's actually pretty good yeah Speaking of Pogba, Micah's beloved Pogba, I just read he was named Manchester United's Player of the Month for December, and why not? Four goals, 
three assists in his last four matches since Mourinho was sacked. He only had three goals and three assists in the 14 matches prior. The Pogbasans, Micah, is he, is he just trying now or is this down to Solskjaer again and how he's being deployed? Okay, so this has like been a recurring question that you know several stuffy shirted pundits have answered uh, over the last couple of of you know days, weeks, whatever. And it's really a bad faith question because mm. it's a manager's job to get the Shots best out of their me. players. <laughs> it's not it is. the it's so yeah, there may have been some players uh, along the way that weren't actually putting a shift in or whatever, but literally something about the way that you know, I don't know, professional sports works makes everybody forget uh, having ever been in a workplace. If your boss sucks, are you actually going to try at your job? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. So in any case, uh, yeah, I think that he's been, the reins have been taken off and he's just now, you know, playing like he can, you know? Right. Miles, what do you think of your bosses at the ringer? Solid. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <laughs> United, as I mentioned, currently six points behind Chelsea in fourth. Micah, I ask you, can United improbably crack the top four and make a Champions League place? And also, I'll ask this to you, Miles, too. What percentage chance do you give Solskjaer of losing the interim tag and being named the full-time manager at the end of the season? The players reportedly want him back. Micah, do you want him back? So that's two two questions. Uh, I... Can you ask or me are they, again? They, they, they on could the be next related. Pod? I mean, like after. The I guess they could game? be related. They could be related to each other because maybe a top four finish will be enough to for him to lose the interim tag. Miles? I mean, could be. Oh yeah, definitely. Considering where they were when Mourinho was fired, if they are able to crack the top four, that's got to be considered a success. I mean, I feel like the goal. Even would if be, Pochettino wants to come. Uh oh, yeah, mm. that is the wrinkle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. I think that that game against Spurs will be a good litmus test for how people really feel about Solskjaer getting basically his first real test as United manager. Because, I mean, they were great games. They played over the break, but it was a soft schedule. So this is going to be big. Yeah. I mean, like, here's here's my thing is that it's kind of I, I love what's happening with Solskjaer. I love the fact that, you know, things are happy and sunny and Donner and Blitzen again. But... At the same time, like any manager that comes in after this is going to have to deal with the same problem. So we, I don't think that anybody should be too excited about anything until we have a director of football. Um, and after that, um, I mean, like at the moment, it's kind of difficult for me to, to answer the question of whether or not it should be Solskjaer or Pochettino or whatever because the director of football thing is so important because Ed Woodward can't be making all the decisions. Well, you mentioned it, Mike. The current United manager could be facing the future United manager on Sunday at Wembley when Manchester plays Spurs. That's their first probably real test since Mourinho's left. Um, I looked at their schedule ahead. They got Arsenal in the FA Cup fourth round towards the end of the month, but then when the... Uh, Champions League restarts uh, with PSG. There's some real murderous fixtures ahead. So, as you said, Mike, uh, it remains to be seen uh, whether Solskjaer can keep keep this up. Anyway, that's United and Chelsea. Thank you so much, Miles, for joining us. Hopefully you'll come back on again. Thank you. We're going to take a break right here and come back with a special guest. Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here's a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. And Hotel Tonight is partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you can get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing hotel deals, you've got to try Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never-ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a select list of incredible deals at cool hotels they'll think you'll love. And they even give short profiles on each hotel, complete with all the info you need and pictures of what the rooms really look like. Plus, even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can also book in advance. Perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. So, to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. And we're back. 
State of the top six, Chelsea and United are out of the way. We're going to the top of the table. And with that, Micah, a very special guest. It's the return, the long-awaited return. Burr, burr, burr. The, the XG God. Yes, that's Ryan O'Hanlon's music, people. Welcome back, Ryan. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you can see, my, Ryan is no longer with the ringer, so he's not in the studio. Some distant, where, where are you, Ryan? Last time you were in like Doha? I'm in Qatar. <laughs> Qatar like I was last time. My voice sounded like this. Well, Ryan, we brought you here on Ringer FC today to gush. You brought me about... here right after Liverpool lost. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> you're just like, you brought him right on the tail end of Liverpool losing to Wolves like, in, the, in the FA like, Cup. Like Ryan gives two shits about the FA Cup. Or any Liverpool fan for that matter. That's true. Ryan. Liverpool's at the top of the table. They lead Manchester City by four points over the winter break. They earned nine out of a possible 12 points. They beat Wolves away, the aforementioned in the league. Newcastle at home, they destroyed Arsenal at home, and they could have had a perfect festive period if not for the 2-1 loss to City at the Etihad last week where they had a chance to create a possibly insurmountable 10-point gap at the top. First of all, Ryan, how confident are you that Liverpool will win its first Premier League title in nearly 30 years? They are the better's favorite right now, and 538 has them at a 73% chance. I've tried, I really tried to just, I've tried to actively take an optimistic attitude toward this because I was just sitting, you know, sitting out here in Doha, um, <laughs> fretting about them blowing it. That'd be a miserable, you know, three or four months. Uh, so I'm going to say I'm actually somehow them losing to city, uh, actually made me more confident in them going all the way. Interesting. Because I was going to ask you if that result had temperature expectations a little bit, because had they won, as I mentioned, 10 points is 10 points. Is it the performance yeah, I mean, that gave you confidence or the, I think it was, you know, I think last time I was on, whenever that was, um, in October, I think we were all kind of just talking about how City was looking like they were even better than the year before, how they were the best team in the world, like clearly how they were going to win the Champions League, win the Premier League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so in the back of my head, I've always kind of, even during this run while Liverpool's, you know, stretched out their lead and then come a little bit back. In the back of my head, I've always kind of been like, City's better than Liverpool. They've just had a couple of results not go their way. And having the team that's chasing you be better than you is not a fun and not a confidence-inducing <laughs> situation. But after that game, you know, it's in Manchester. And in my mind, there was literally nothing between the two teams other than a deflection off the post, one of which went in for one team, one of which didn't for the other team. And to see Liverpool basically go toe-to-toe with you know a City team that in the back of my head I still thought was better than everyone else in Manchester, um, just resetting sort of my mindset. So it's now Liverpool has a four-point lead on a team that they're just as good as, as opposed to... Liverpool has a four-point lead on a team that's better than them. That is kind of where I'm looking at it. Um, or at least that's how I'm trying to look at it. So I can sleep at night might be another way to <laughs> say that. What a, what a difference a world-class keeper and center back make, really. I mean, which player do you think, actually, Ryan, you could least afford to lose for the rest of the season or for any stretch of the season? I mean... You have to consider uh, the backups, and <laughs> Simone Mignolet is still the backup at Liverpool, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> which is God. Suboptimal. He's, he's, be, he's better. He's better than Carius, though. <laughs> I guess we could bring Carius back from loan. <laughs> I don't mean to be morbid or anything, but I mean that's kind of been part of the narrative this year. Is that for the most part, Liverpool have been injury free. And City have been decidedly not injury-free. So I know that there's like a bit of a center-back, not crisis, but center-back injuries piling up a little bit uh, with Lovren, I think, getting hurt in the FA Cup match. So does that concern you? And do you think that they need to reinforce uh, in the January window? 
it's weird because I keep, you know, thinking to myself, are, pro- are they ever going to have as good of a chance to win the Premier League as they do right now? And there's a chance no. So in that case, you should obviously buy someone to try to make the team better. But it's only, it's hard for me to think of a player that would be available that could play in the Champions League and the Premier League that would be an upgrade on anyone they have. So, I, you know, now it's the center backs are a weak spot, at least health-wise. But it's, I, I don't even, I can't think of someone who is just going to be able to sort of step right in and sort of maintain the performance level they have. Um, I think center back is I, I also the like, hardest position to buy in midseason. And I think center back, especially for Liverpool, it's hard to get someone who's used to playing in such a kind of aggressive and dominant style because, because you know, there's only, you know, 12, 15 teams in the world who can, who are really good enough to play the way that Liverpool tries to play. And you'd want to buy someone from one of those teams probably, but you know, all of those teams are in a title race or in a top four race or in the champions league and their players are cup tied. Um, so, you know, I, I think we might maybe see Fabinho at center back or something like that. Who knows? Milner would probably be a world-class <laughs> center back for like three weeks if he had to be. So <laughs> I actually asked you this before, but now that Liverpool are out of the FA cup, you mentioned they lost to wolves this week. There's only the Premier League and the Champions League left. They, of course, are playing Bayern Munich in the round of 16. Has your, you know, preference changed? I mean, I think when I last asked you, you said either would be great, right? And you really enjoyed their run to the Champions League final last season. Now that you have this little four-point gap and the league seems like a real possibility, have you kind of refocused or, 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 or are you emphasizing... Uh, the Premier League title as sort of the main goal of the season? I think the Premier League has just been on my mind more because the uh, Champions League is, you know, there haven't been games for about a month. But I still would take either one. And I I guess it's kind of like a found money situation in a way because you're playing Bayern Munich. So it's like if you lose to Bayern Munich, it's not really that disappointing no matter right. what. You know, and if you lose to Bayern Munich, it's okay that sucked. Let's focus on the premier league as opposed to like, if you got upset by Porto or something like that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think the team, I think the team is good enough and deep enough to, to try to win both. And if it doesn't work out, just shift the focus to the premier league. The only move so far have, uh, for Liverpool have been out moves. Nathaniel Klein on loan and striker Dominic Solanke sold both to Bournemouth. Any thoughts on those moves? Uh, I'm kind of as the, uh, I can't call myself the XG God. I almost (laughs) did. Uh, someone else has to do it, but as someone who is referred to as the XG God, uh, I'm sort of sad to see Solanke go. His, uh, he played like 500 minutes last year and his XG numbers were fucking insane. Like basically as good as Messi's, he just never scored. Um, and there's a chance he'll just always be that guy who can never score. Um, (laughs) Solanke, kind of just like Messi, just like never, Messi, but, but, but he never can't scores. Score. <laughs> <laughs> I love he's it. Basically, yeah, he's, he's Messi without the goals and without the assist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he went for what nineteen um, million but, pounds, right? Maybe seventeen, they, though. I think. Oh, seventeen. Yeah, still a yeah. lot. I mean, if you're if you're one of those fans who likes to kind of you know tally up the balance sheet, I guess it's cool that he came to Liverpool on like a free and is going for that much money. Um, but you know who really gives a shit. Uh, but I think, I think it's a, it's a decent signing by Bournemouth Klein. I, uh, I feel kind of bad for Klein because he was kind of one of Liverpool's best players when they sucked. And then he got hurt and a bunch of better fullbacks than him appeared. So now he's losing out on, uh, all the good times, but you know, I, I good luck to him, I guess. <laughs> and possibly, Oxley chamberlain could be back at some point this season. Originally, it seemed like he would be out for the entire season, but reports are that he could be returning to training in February. So you might get the Ox back. Anyway, let's move on. Second place, City, the aforementioned Manchester City. They only got 6 out of 12 points over the holiday. Amazingly, back-to-back matches they lost for the first time in two years. 
they lost at home to Crystal Palace. That was the and- Andros Townsend volley heard around the world, seen around the world. Oof. They also lost. <laughs> they also lost to Leicester. Uh, then they beat Southampton and, of course, beat Liverpool, advanced in the FA Cup as well, playing in the Carabao Cup semifinal against Burton Albion on Wednesday. Maybe I'll pose this question to you, Micah, first. Did City's first back-to-back league defeats in two years expose a fatal flaw? Or did it just tell us all that they really need Fernandinho? I mean, I'm leaning towards the second part of that just because they still don't have a good replacement for him if he ever goes down. I mean, Gundogan can do the job sort of, but not the same way that he can do it. Um, the thing that I was thinking about more so was the was like the kind of role reversal between City and Liverpool of like wobbling on the on those those beatable teams because I mean, at the aforementioned Crystal Palace and Leicester City matches. Um, but yeah, I think it was more so just like the Fernandinho thing. Um, because I mean, like he came in and that Liverpool game was flying all over the place and probably should have got carded in the first 10 minutes and didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like I think that they need him to function. What did you make, Ryan, of uh, City losing to Crystal Palace and Leicester? I mean, I, I my my mind is always, always obviously tends toward uh, those who are like, one in a million goals, they would never happen again. But <laughs> but I really don't think, I think basically since, you know, maybe mid-November, I think City has straight up just been worse um, than they have been at any point over the past year and a half. The attacks just, it just can't, it's not creating the same kind of, you know, you know, they're constantly creating those cutbacks from like right by the post and someone just taps it into the far post. They're just not doing that anymore and the chances they're giving up are without Fernandinho I, th- I think you can kind of you know it shows up a little bit in the numbers their press isn't as good and Fer- Fernandinho has to do a lot more cleaning up on the back end um, is that is that because teams have to- fi- I'm sorry go ahead say that again I was gonna say is that because teams to some degree have figured out how to play them I think that's probably part of it y- you know you realize how um how you can pick your spots and kind of expose their weaknesses a little bit. Cause it's not, it's still not like, it's not like when they have to defend in their half, they're actually that good at defending. Um, still it's all about them never having to get in those situations. Um, but I think it's also, I think it's just for as good as city is, you know, David Silva is getting older. He just hasn't been as good this year. De Bruyne is still barely played, you know, I think you can trace a lot of this back to Mendy. You know, uh, they were flying when he was healthy, and now that he's out, um, it turns out that you know Danilo and Fabian Delph just aren't as good as him. Um, so I think it's probably teams are getting used to it, and then there's some uh, squad depletion that's happened in bits and bits and pieces. To some degree, I think it makes the victory over Liverpool, the recent victory, more impressive. I, I actually was hearing and seeing a lot of plaudits for the way City... I mean, of course, they won 100 points last season and ran away with the title, but I guess there's something different about the seeing City having to play from behind or chase uh, the league leaders uh, as showing a different side, I guess, a, a bit more, not to get too uh, Brexit on you, but like grit and sort of resolve. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I mean, because we're all accustomed to seeing the pretty football and, you know, the possession and, and, and the beautiful goals. But, I mean, they were going after it against Liverpool, like, desperately. And maybe they that makes them even more, more dangerous. Like, uh, I, don't... I mean, after they scored that first goal, they were kind of settling back into that low block where Sergio Aguero would drop back, like, to cut passes off from the right way and to start the counterattacks early. Like, they play a little bit differently, and it was that equalizer from Firmino that kind of opened the game back up. And yeah, they did play, like, more desperately, like, chasing after that, you know, the winner, which, I mean, like, the Sané finish was just divine, but... Actually, actually, Ryan, since we didn't get to talk about... We didn't get to talk about the match, I'll just give you a quick yes-no question. Company on Salah, was it a red card? Oh, I miss I miss these. Uh, <laughs> was it a blank question for you? <laughs> it's a simple say, yes no I'm question. I'm glad I'm glad he didn't give a red. 
Uh, oh, I'm wow. Glad I agree. see them both play at full strength. Uh, Four City, of course, the quadruple is still on. They're alive in all competitions. Do you guys think that Pep will be prioritizing? We were just talking about Liverpool and possibly prioritizing the league. Do you think Pep's will be pri- Pep will be prioritizing the Champions League because it's the only trophy he hasn't won yet with Manchester City? I guess they haven't won an FA Cup either, but uh, they play Schalke in the round of sixteen. Quadruple. I mean, do you do we think that they like? Isn't the whole point of Manchester City that they never have to do that? You know, they have so many players. Yeah. Oh, you mean like they don't? They can basically they can run, run an, an, an A lineup against anybody. Yeah, like you could you could probably win um, your first match matchup in the Champions League with Odomendi out there, right? Like he's basically fallen off the face of the earth, but he's still on the team. He's not he's not like a bad player. Liverpool's next match is at Brighton on Saturday, but for City, it's kind of their bogey team, Wolves, and that's on Monday. So. I guess every week now, here on out, we do have a legit title race because we'll be watching to see who's dropping points. I feel like I predicted before Wolves, the year that... Lim- Wolves is every, every good team's bogey team, it yeah, seems like. That, that's true. That's true. And, uh, Micah, you mentioned off air who Nuno Espirito Santo reminds you of. Please share. Oh, <laughs> so that Nuno Espirito Santo looks like Cervantes from Soul Calibur Three without his helmet on. Is that a... Is that is, uh, is that obscure enough of a reference uh, for you, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I love that. I I have no idea what that means, but it, it still makes me laugh. This is what Ryan missed. This is what Ryan missed about FC. All right, finally, guys, let's close. Let's close out the state of the top six with the North London teams. Of course, that's third place Tottenham, fifth place Arsenal. We'll start with Spurs in third, two behind City, six behind Liverpool. They won nine. Out of 12 possible points over the break, they crushed Everton, they crushed Bournemouth, they lost to Wolves, everybody's bogey team, and then they recovered by beating Cardiff City. I think they just, I think it's a final now. They beat Chelsea in the first leg of the Carabao Cup, which, does the Carabao Cup semifinal really need two legs, Ryan, do you think? I, I was just going to say that. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God we get two of those games. <laughs> I have a did you know here, uh, Pochettino side, Spurs. They only have one point fewer at this stage in the Premier League than the Invincibles in 2003-04. How do you always manage to bring the Invincibles up? <laughs> I, like, I just, it, it, like, do we have to at every turn <laughs> compare it's something just, now uh, to something from it's, the Invincibles it's, it's season? The, it's the standard bear. <laughs> anyway, if you ever nothing, watch any... Nothing has changed. If you ever watch any Spurs match, whenever they interview Pochettino after, they inevitably always... It gets almost to be annoying, and I'm sure he's annoyed by it, but this is the question he, he's always asked. Are you in the title race? So, I'm going to pose that question to both Ryan, you, and Micah. Are Spurs in the title race? Micah, you can start. It's really funny that like we were talking about the the City-Liverpool game before it happened as kind of like the final of the Premier League. If City loses this, then they definitely lose the Premier League and this, that, and the other thing. And Tottenham was sitting above them at the time. And it's just kind of like everybody forgets that they're there. <laughs> um, but I mean, they still seem like they very much are in the title race. But <clears throat> one point that they were making on the Football Ramble podcast that I that I liked was that Tottenham doesn't really have a gear above this. Like they, City and Liverpool may both be yet to play their best soccer of the season going down the stretch, but it doesn't feel like Tottenham has another gear. Ryan, do you agree? What Are they in the title race? What if they make some January signings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that was what Pochettino was uh, talking about before this Tottenham-Chelsea game. Uh, he was just like, you know, I was brought in to basically build a contender on a shoestring budget, and I've done that. But, like, in order to get to the promised land, I actually need to spend money. <laughs> Which they can't because new stadium. So, yeah, I think. I mean, I think Pochettino, to his credit, has done an amazing job this season. I mean, they're rolling out like a midfield of Musa Sissoko and Harry Winks on a consistent <laughs> basis, and uh, neither of those guys are very good. And they're, as Donnie said, a better team than the Invincibles. I think that's a fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
But I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, Tottenham is way behind City and Liverpool in terms of expected goals. They're barely taking more shots than their opponents this year. And, you know, Liverpool and City both, you know, spanked them when they played earlier this year. So, I mean, Tottenham does have the advantage of, I don't know the exact number, but most of they have a higher percentage of games at home if they, if they you know, actually get their home um, in the second half of the season because they played a bunch on the road because of the uh, construction for the uh, theoretical new stadium that they're going to be moving into. So there is that. But I just, I, I think it's really impressive that they're, they have as many points as they do, but they're just, they're just not going to keep getting as many points as they've been getting by playing the way they've been playing, in my opinion. Yeah, that new stadium, uh, long-awaited new stadium, I think they're going to move in. The last I heard was in March. So, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, Pochettino, you, we've been talking about possibly going to Old Trafford. He was just recently quoted as saying, I hope or I wish to be here, here as in with Tottenham, 20 years and decide to leave or to finish my career here. So take that for what it's worth. He's a new finger. <laughs> yeah. First the I mean, Bulls and then a 20-year career. <laughs> <laughs> if Spurs end up, I mean, it's looking like a typical Pochettino Spurs season here. I mean, they may win the Carabao Cup, who knows, but it sounds like they're going to end probably in third, possibly fourth. They'll probably make it. I mean, they played Dortmund in the round of 16 in the Champions League. They may beat them, but I'm, it looks like quarterfinal is probably their ceiling in the Champions League. Uh, they're already out of the FA Cup. How long do you think Spurs fans will be satisfied with this kind of finish? I mean, you've mentioned, Ryan, that they're overperforming or that Poch is doing a really great job. But again, I guess we go back to the trophy merchant thing. I mean, is this like un- un- until they start making some some major moves in the transfer window, this is basically what you're going to get, right? Some entertaining football, but I mean, ultimate, ultimately no trophies? Yeah, I mean, I think Tottenham are obvi- obviously good enough to win the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Um, listen, I've, I've completely checked out of the FA Cup, so they might not even be in the FA Cup anymore, and I wouldn't know no, it. No, they're in um, it. They're in it. <laughs> but I think I think it's easier for fans to understand them not winning a trophy and like sort of side with the Pochettino thing when they literally didn't fucking buy a single player last summer like that <laughs> you you just it's such an obvious thing you can just point you know you can point to that and I think everyone understands it as opposed to if they bought like you know three sort of players that probably aren't good enough for Tottenham but they still bought them um, so I think. Again, I don't really have a quite have a handle on the Tottenham fan base, but but I think I think that stark sort of symbol of everything uh, makes everyone okay with them just constantly finishing in the top four. Um, but who knows? I mean, if we're talking about like in the in the fullness of like since he's been there, I mean. Pacha's time at Tottenham without a trophy is already a success just because of the thing that we were talking about before, like shifting the idea of Spursiness, which is like a big deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't think like it's, it, but also, uh, I mean, the, the goodwill probably stays as long as they don't actually dip into the transfer market. You know who's not staying? Segway. Musa Dembele, officially now. Moving on to China, Beijing Guan for, I don't know how much money. Anyway, this weekend, it's the game of the weekend, actually, I would say. We talked about it before. Spurs United, Wembley, Sunday. All right, finally, Arsenal, fifth place. Seven out of 12 points over the festive period. They beat Burnley at home, drew with Brighton, got run by Liverpool. The less said about that, the better. Beat Fulham, everybody beats Fulham. (laughs) Ryan. All along during Arsenal's 22-game unbeaten streak, you kept saying they were going to regress to the mean based on XG and whatever statistical models you have on post-it notes around your bedroom. <laughs> Is that basically what happened in this? Because right before the festive break, they lost to Southampton. They've been struggling a little bit. Their defense is in shambles. They're not scoring at the rate that they were. Was this predictable based on XG? Are you asking me if I actually do have 
post-it notes with XG stats <laughs> in my bedroom. Pretty much beautiful mind style. I picture you doing com- complica- <laughs> complicated algorithms uh, in, Shar- in Sharpie. Yes, I do. And I actually exactly predicted where Arsenal uh, would be on points, goals scored and goals against um, <laughs> at this point in the season. Um, no, I, I think it has, I think it's, you know, they're at the beginning of November, they were kind of like, you know, 11 goals or so above X or nine, about nine and a half, nine or 10 goals above XG. And right now they're like above, they're 11 above. So it's kind of, it's kind of what I talked about. I think last time we talked about this in that, you know, even if like Arsenal sort of regressed to the, the mean sort of converted their chances at the rate, sort of the average finisher would, they would still be above way above um, their actual goals compared to XG. So, you know, if you look at, they've, they've, you know, I think they've been a little bit better actually in terms of the chances they've been creating over the past, you know, since they lost to Southampton, since the, the, uh, the most, unspectacular 22 game unbeaten streak of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but their defense has been worse, both, both from goals they've allowed and the chances they've given up. So I think it's, um, I think they've regressed a little bit, but I think the defense is, um, has played worse than it was playing earlier in the yeah. season. It, so, it, to me, you, know, what, you add those two things together and you get a drop off in points. Basically to, to me, when I watch the teams that are above, Arsenal in the table, that's kind of the most stark difference. Uh, defenders. Like, if just a, a Van Dyke, how much that changed Liverpool's whole makeup. So, to that mm-hmm. end, Micah and Ryan, how many of Arsenal's current defenders would you keep if you're Unai Emery for next season? If, if any. <laughs> uh, <laughs> By the way, Micah, have you been seeing Hector Bellerin? posting on social media from London Fashion Week? I mean, it is drip, drip. Honestly, <laughs> a lot a, is it a lot it's so it's so much it's like just it's too it's too much honestly he's, inju- he's injured right now but at least he's front row on the runway i mean like he's injured and like keeps showing up to great to mustache. games dressed like <laughs> great mustache <laughs> like dressed like the weed carrier for like <laughs> virgil <laughs> yes dressed like virgil abloh's weed carrier there you go <laughs> But anyway, so it, just uh, for Arsenal's current defenders, what on the left it's Kalisinac, Monreal, Mustafi they have in the center, so- Socrates, Steven Licksteiner, Bellerin. It's kind of a uh, motley crew of mediocrity. I re-signed Lick- Licksteiner to a lifetime contract. That's my <laughs> first move. If I'm the in charge. Jenk- Jenk- Carl Jenkinson. The, the universe has reached perfect entropy and, Car- and Licksteiner is still bombing up the sideline and whiffing crosses into the box. <laughs> oh, they have Mav Pranos as well. Back. And then walking back. <laughs> yeah, basically they just need to rebuild, right? I. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think Torreira uh, is really good and uh, everyone rightfully loves him, but he's obviously only been able to shore up the defense so much. Uh, I would, it looked like holding was actually starting to maybe fulfill a lot of the potential. We thought that he had a couple of years ago before he got hurt. So, you know, if he comes back, I think he's, he's one guy and, you know, we give Bellerin a lot of shit um, for all this, but I think I, he I is, don't, I don't. Know, he's clearly good enough to be, um, the royal we, um, which you know <laughs> does not include you. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think him and holding basically, like I, I mean, the other guys all feel like okay depth pieces, but like you know, Arsenal wants to be in the top four. Uh, they want to be making a run in the Champions League. I think sometime in the near future. Um, and Klazinac, I also feel like he's probably a better backup um, than starter. So, you know, I, I was always kind of of the mind that, like, your defenders are what your system makes them out to be. Um, right. And then, you know, I saw Virgil van Dyke and the effect he could have. So, yeah, I think holding in Bellerin. I mean, who, who would you keep, Donnie? I'm, I almost forgot about holding. He's been out for a while. Yeah, I mean, even holding, I'm not entirely convinced, but he's certainly the best, most promising with his age uh, central defender that we have. So... 
I mean, Koulibaly from Napoli to me is a pipe dream. He's going to cost upwards of what, 80 million? You so, can't have him. He's ours. Yeah. Back off. But, you know, even <laughs> when they were talking about possibly Gary Cahill, I was excited about that. So that kind of shows you where we're at. Final question about Arsenal. You knew this was coming. Ryan, I'm just giving you the floor since we haven't heard from you in a while. Mesut Ozil. God. Yeah, I'm not what? answering this. I'm not even gonna touch it. It's yours. What, what do you think? Can I do the same? <laughs> <laughs> just a, just a, just a simple question. What do you think Arsenal should do with Ozil? I mean, I think that they, if they weren't, if they were planning on having a situation where the manager clearly just didn't like him at all, and the team didn't want him. Uh, they shouldn't have signed him to one of the most lucrative contracts in Premier League history last January. <laughs> um, that would have—that's kind of my main takeaway here. But, but, they, I, but they obviously didn't know that Emery was going to be the manager at that point, or maybe they did. But that's true. I, I mean, I, I think it, it kind of like—I think you have to have some sort of symbiosis between you know what your financial situation is like and making it work. I personally still think Ozil has. Um, I don't, he's actually, he wasn't very good for the start of the season. Um, but then he was incredible against Leicester, um, which I think happened, you know, right after we recorded our last podcast. And it was the first time me and Donnie ever bonded over Ozil in any way. Um, and that was a really special moment. And then it, you know, obviously hasn't improved from there, but I think he's been okay when he's played. I think he's done a reasonably good job. Um, I think I would still try to find a way to fit him into the team, but because I, I, I have a hard time seeing how he leaves unless Arsenal, I guess, is subsidizing his wages um, in a huge way. And, you know, Arsenal constantly talks about how they only have a transfer budget of X every window. So, you know, how that would affect who they'd be able to bring in, um, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. I heard Beijing Guan has some money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we just wrapped the top six. Let's just do it now because it's midseason. Give me your top fours in order. I'm going to give you mine. Liverpool, City, United, Spurs. How's Whoa. That? Crazy. Yes, you, I'm predicting United are going to leapfrog several teams and end in third. That Micah. is bold. In third? Bold. Damn. Bold prediction from Donnie. Um, <clears throat> okay. I am going to say that I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and bet against my interests. I think that Liverpool is gonna win the league, and then City comes in second, Tottenham comes in third, and Chelsea come in fourth. Okay, so basically one to four as it stands now yeah. will be what it is at the end of the season. Yeah. Should I Ryan, should I even make Ryan do this given that he has so much invested in this. I, I'm going to make you do it, Ryan. You guys remember even remember who we predicted at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I do. I, I do. <laughs> I do. I predicted Liverpool. I pred- I'm I pretty sure I predicted City. I definitely predicted City. Um, I'm going to say United one. <laughs> um, Arsenal two. <laughs> Arsenal two. Arsenal two. Wolves three. Wolves Liverpool three. four. No. Uh, <laughs> I think Liverpool's gonna gonna win, um, just mainly because they have a four point lead, and I think that's. Uh, I know it can disappear in a weekend, I guess, but I, I think it is more than we make it out to be. But it's a four point lead, and you have a lot of winnable games coming up. Um, I, I think it's after you know, famous last that, words that City game. There's not really you're not playing another top six side until United on February twenty fourth. So. Yeah, Liverpool has the def- definite easier next five games or so, and I think they have the easier remaining games because they've already played Arsenal twice. Did he have to go to the Emirates? Um, really hoping uh, you can help me out on that, Donnie. Uh, <laughs> so Liverpool first, uh, City second. Um, I'll say Tottenham third, and yeah, I'm just going to be boring. I'll say Chelsea fourth. So both of you guys just going with the table as it stands. I'm the only one with the balls to make a little bit of a bold prediction. Things or loose enough screws, you know. <laughs> this Shout is... out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we loved having you back. We'll probably have you back at the end of the season to either 
celebrate or commiserate, I guess, Liverpool's finish, whether it's first, second, or even below. You have a new newsletter that people can subscribe to. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it uh, has the most esoteric name imaginable. Uh, it's called No Grass in the Clouds. You can find it at nograssintheclouds.substack.com. Um, mainly, I, you know, I'm, it's still sort of figuring out its best form, but I, you know, write a lot of, it's all soccer stuff, um, similar to what I used to do with the ringer, but a little more conversational. Um, there's like a column that I typically put out on Tuesday and then Fridays I try to do a three things, you know, I need to know ahead of the weekend, um, with varying degrees of nerdery, a more general thing to start, a more middle brow thing. Um, and then a sort of super nerdy bit at the end, uh, and it comes out twice a week, might come out more in the future. You know, I'm really kind of experimenting with it, but the reception with it so far has been, um, has been really cool. So, uh, if you like this podcast, I, I would, I think your interest would align with what's in the newsletter. So go check it out. Dope. It is dope. Everyone subscribe. No grass in the clouds. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Missed you guys. Miss you too, Miss you and too, man. Micah Peters. Thank you as always. <laughs> yeah, peace, peace. And with that, we'll see you in two weeks. Peace. Hey y'all, let's talk a little more about Hotel Tonight. By showing you top-rated hotels with unsold rooms, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book your stay at an amazing rate. And even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can book in advance. Perfect for spontaneous getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. So to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now.